Hey everyone, Kaylee and Lane here. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Pre-K Teacher Family. This is a podcast for all things Pre-K Teacher. Behavior management strategies, time-saving tips, advice from teachers, and high-quality resources. If you need it, we're talking about it. We'll be bringing you new episodes every Friday. Make sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Let's not waste any more of your time, teachers. Buckle up. This is going to be fun. Hey, Lane. Hey, Kaylee. Are you ready for this? I think so. Okay, good. Let's do it. All right. Do your students seem to have no control of their bodies and move around like little tornadoes? Do you have students that can't sit still and focus during whole group lessons? Do you dream of a classroom where kids can control their bodies and move around your classroom with focus and purpose? He hit me. She touched me. Do you feel like you're going to lose your mind if you hear another tattle? In today's episode, we're going to talk about the importance of movement and we're going to give you some ideas for handling one of the toughest behaviors, tattling. Okay, first let's talk about the wiggle worms. Here we go. Yeah. Okay, so... When I first started in my classroom, I had like this really nice vision of my head of what a classroom of children should look like. And I imagined something like you see in the movies and all the kids were sitting nicely at their little desk and the teacher was in front talking. But (laughs) as you know, that doesn't happen, nor should it. The more and more I tried to push students to sit for long periods of time, the more and more behavioral problems arose. I knew I had to change something. We started to learn more about the importance of movement in the classroom, especially in the preschool classroom, and kids needed to move. Not only is it beneficial for physical development, it also helps with self-awareness, nonverbal communication, attention span, helps with behavior, and so much more. It also is proven that movement paired with language paired with language increases learning by more than 80%. What? Are you kidding me? (laughs) So I needed to get my kids moving more. So this is how we did it. Okay. And so also, it's more than just moving fast and getting energy out. We use movement to help kids learn to regulate their bodies and control and move with purpose. Yeah, that's important to move with purpose. Um, So we were not a Montessori school, but we were uh, Montessori inspired in our classrooms And the way that a Montessori classroom is set up, it provides ample opportunities for kids to be moving. Children are in charge of their working environment. Kids are constantly walking to and from work, setting up works, and so on. The children are also able to work on little rugs on the floor or at a table, whichever best suits their needs. And kids moving with purpose, kids are moving with purpose and are learning. This all has to be taught. And when it's done, it's amazing to watch your classroom run on its own. Side note, I just thought we should we could do an introduction episode to Montessori and sort of just explain the gist of it, maybe. I think that will be Because I think people are listening to this and kind of going like, what is it? What were they doing? Yeah. Because it's so hard to talk imagine about if beginning you've never works. seen it. Yeah. 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 I agree. Okay. So, and how, and we taught them how specifically 
to move with purpose, what it looks like. Not wandering, looking up at the ceiling when they're trying to walk from one place to another. Walking directly to the place you're going, getting what you need, and coming straight back. Once you can teach this simple skill to kids, you'll have a whole classroom full of little worker bees, all moving with purpose around the room, getting what they need, and taking control of their learning and their classroom materials. It's a simple thing to practice, and although it seems like this is so simple, you might just assume kids already understand this concept, but it's one of those things that you have to practice. And once you practice it, you'll be amazed at how awesome it is to see all of your students moving purposefully around the classroom. No more of that sort of wandering, lollygagging stroll. Once you teach this skill, all of the sudden your students will be like little soldiers marching from place to place quietly. <laughs> That's right. They like this kind of thing because it makes them feel kind of important and that you can teach them and then, you know, they, they all can move around the room with purpose and it makes everything a lot smoother during that work time. And then we always started our day off with movement. So kids have been sitting most of the morning, riding in the car to school, sitting at breakfast. Before we make them sit to learn, it's a good idea to get some of their wiggles out. So I have a bunch of my favorites that I'll put in the show notes as a YouTube playlist. But we will show you a few previews real quick. This first song is by David Kaiser from Songs for Developing Toddlers, Becoming My Own Me. It's called Self-Control. This one is the toddler version. Here's a clip and then we'll talk about it. I go fast, fast, fast. Fast, fast, fast is the way I go. And then I stop, put it on hold. I've got self-control. I go fast, fast, fast. Fast, fast, fast is the way I go. And then I stop, put it on hold. I've got self-control. I go slow, slow, slow. Slow, slow, slow is the way I go. And then I stop, put it on hold. I've got self-control. Go! Put it on hold, I've got self-control. Go again! Stop. What do you think about it? I like it because they're able to listen, regulate yep. their body, stop, and go. They're listening to the cues of like slow, fast, slow. And yeah. it reminds me of that. Um, do you remember Greg and Steve? Did you ever listen to the Greg and Steve uh, fast, fast, slow, slow, I think? And it's like, it goes through all the different, like, we walk fast, we gallop, we ice skate. Yes. We, yes. That was a good one, too, for that yeah. kind of skating same Skating. Yes, yeah, skating. And then um, it... Hopping. And then it just does the sounds and it doesn't yes. say... Yeah, that was a good one, too. Here's a clip for you of that one, Greg and Steve, Listen and Move. You can find both of these on YouTube, and we'll put the links in the show notes. Walk. Gallop. Tiptoe. Shh. Shh. 
Run! Skate! Now, let's see if you can remember what the sounds tell you to do. That is a good one. I mean, the kids love that. Yeah. Both of those two. Yeah. Like, they would be like, as soon as it was over, they go, can we do it again? Yes. Can we do it again? Yes. That so, was always a good one. It was like, yeah, let's do it two or three times this morning. Yep. Yep. That was a good one. And they learn to regulate their body by moving in different ways. Right. You know, then we sit down to learn and they... They're able to focus and listen and follow along and not just flop around the floor and ignore and grab their friends. And after they do certain songs like that and can start to master it, like I talk about how you're when you're moving around the classroom, like we're, you're not touching any of the furniture. Yeah. But there will be, be people that would walk into my classroom and there were kids literally running all over and they would kind of stop like, what the hell is going on? But then they would realize like all of them are moving with, with purpose. purpose. They're not hitting anything. They're not knocking anything. They're not touching each other. And then all of a sudden the song goes slow, slow. And then all of a sudden everyone goes to a back to like a very manageable speed. And everyone's just like, oh, yeah, this is definitely something that you can do inside, especially on a day that maybe you can't get outside. It's a good way to let them run inside and, and l set the rules in place so that they can do it. But they know that they're not touching the furniture. They're not following their friends because a lot of times they get driven to like go right behind their buddies. But right. I say find your own path. And it's just like you said, like, Little worker bees. They're just so busy working, working, yeah. working, working. Yeah. And it's good. Um, so did you ever have any kids that had trouble sitting crisscross applesauce? Yes. Okay. So me too. Uh, and I know I, I wanted for my own brain for everyone to sit crisscross applesauce, but I knew that wasn't going to work. So what alternatives right. did you use? So I kind of feel like I felt it out and adjusted it for each kid. So like... I might start out morning meeting asking them to show me how we sit and like kind of doing a reset and kind of saying like it's time to learn show me how you sit and I would model sitting crisscross for them but if some of them would start to like stretch out their leg or adjust in some way I wouldn't automatically correct that kid like if they were still paying attention not distracting their peers I would let it go I didn't feel the need to be a drill sergeant about how kids sit unless they were doing it to be a distraction. Yeah. So if they started laying down or making a big scene about it, then I'm going to have to intervene. Mm -hmm. However, did you did you know that um well, did you have something else to say about that first? No, yeah, same. I I think I handled it the same way too. Uh I wasn't I in my and you know, you want them to all sit that way, but I learned to let that go and when it wasn't a distraction, just like you said, I would let them sit how they right. wanted until it started bothering a friend or it was yep. losing my concentration because they're flopping on the floor or something. Exactly. Yep. And so what, one thing I realized, um, I think in the last two years of my teaching was that tummy time is beneficial even for older kids. So yes. I knew about that with infants, but our OT person who came in and was working with one of my students was talking about how having them lay on their tummies like strengthens their core. And so she would recommend, she's like, actually all the kids in your class could benefit from this. 
And well, I actually didn't know that. And when I, I think you posted about it on Instagram. And oh. so now whenever my kids are like working at home, I'm like, lay on your tummy, lay on your tummy because yeah. it, it is beneficial. Like, and my nephew's kindergarten teacher would have them lay on their tummy and do their work. And I was always like, wonder why, like they do that. Yeah, but why? now, it so, so like, I, what the heck are they yeah. Doing? So I looked it up to find some of the formal wording and here's what one website said the benefits were. So when in this position, the neck is an extension which activates the brainstem, and this is Ooh. very regulating for the nervous system. And it uh, facilitates uh, shoulder girdle strength and stability, which is essential for fine motor and visual motor development. Who knew? Okay. Who knew? So I knew it sort of strengthened that tummy area, but... yeah. Um, yeah, so what I would do is say, hey, we're going to watch a quick video about rhyming or whatever. We would watch a movie about. And then, you know, like one of the quick videos. Yeah. And I would tell them, you can either sit up or lay down for this video. And just being given the choice to lay down makes them so excited. Yes. I found that almost all of them would choose to lay down out of pure excitement at the option. But then... After a few minutes, most of them would sit back up in the sitting position because it was tough and uncomfortable yeah. for them. I remember that being a kid. I remember that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it, you have to use muscles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's how I realized this is something that we need more practice with. And I would continue to make it an option and just keep regularly building on those muscles for my kids. Nice. Okay. We want to give you more support for movement songs. So I'm linking my whole movement playlist in the show notes. So if you just click on that link, you'll get to see all the songs that we like to use for movement. And there's also Go Noodle, which if you haven't used in your classroom yet, that is one you have to start using. We've talked about it before. There are tons of awesome guided movement videos to get your kids dancing and moving while having lots of fun. Here's a quick message from our amazing sponsor, and then we're going to talk about strategies to deal with tattling. Okay, we have a new sponsor that we'd like to tell you guys about. It's a company called Amped Up Learning. They're owned and operated by classroom teachers, which we love. As you know, we're here to support teachers. This great company has fun teacher-designed and printed shirts that don't break the bank, and they have tons of documents and printable activities that gamify learning. How awesome is that? We all know kids retain so much more information when the lessons are fun. They have created a coupon code just for our listeners to give you 10% off your entire order. The code is tried and true 10. Again, that's tried and true in the number 10. It will give you 10% off, which makes it easy to remember. Tried and true 10. So make sure to check them out. Use our coupon code and they do giveaways every month on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find them at Amped Up Learning. I will attach a link to their Facebook page in the show notes. Let's talk about part two of this episode, and we're going to talk about tattling. So is this a problem at home with your kids or no? Not yet. Um, yes. On a, <laughs> on a daily basis. Uh, um, I constantly am saying, because, you know, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and it's my four-year-old right now just because she has more verbal skills that's able to really yep. give a good tattle. Um, <laughs> and I always say, just like in my classroom, before she starts, if I think it's a tattle, I'm like, hey, is is it an emergency? Is someone bleeding? Is there a fire? Can you solve this problem on your own? <laughs> so it's constantly, yeah. 
And it's usually when I'm talking to like Drew or another adult. And so, yes. yeah, I'm like, okay, okay you're going to have to just hold it. Just touch my yep. arm and let me know you need to talk to me and we'll talk about it later. <laughs> and it's harder when you have kids that two, are two different ages because yes. it's like one of them does all the tattling. Yes. Whereas when you have a preschool classroom, you can kind of level the playing field right. and, and have them help each, like hold each other accountable. Right. But tattling can be so annoying. Yes. Kids come running up to tell what another child has done. And they're usually reporting that another child has broken a rule. Because we spend a lot of time teaching our kids the rules. How to share, hands to ourselves, raise your hand if you want to talk, etc. So the rules are really important to kids because they're so egocentric. So they're focused on themselves, what's happening to them, what they are feeling. So it's not really easy for them to empathize with peers or siblings and put, the, put themselves in each, in each other's shoes. So these are skills that they, when they're developing, you know, they're super important skills, empathy, but they don't have that yet. So it's natural for them to feel the need to call attention to another child that's breaking a rule or, or if they feel oh, like yeah. that, that's oh, what's yeah. happening. Big time. Um, so what we've done is to basically add another rule to the list. And that rule is we don't tattle. But we say it in a more creative way to get kids on board and help them understand why the why behind it. What we do is explain the difference of being helpful versus hurtful. So it's helpful to say, stop touching me, please. It's hurtful to say, mom, he's touching me. <laughs> it's helpful to say, please don't grab stuff out of my hands. It's hurtful to say, mom, she just took my toy. Does that make sense? You can give kids a lot of examples in this situation as they're happening and they'll start to understand. And as you are giving them ways to be helpful instead of hurtful, they will learn how to take control of the situation in their own words instead of tattling. So as they're learning and you hear them tattle, you can say, are you saying this to be helpful or hurtful? And once they realize the difference and can say, you can say, yeah, that's hurtful. What could you say to be helpful? And you help them figure out what to say to the other child rather than telling you about it. And we also feel it's important not to be, not to become sarcastic and dramatic about tattling, which is hard to do. It's kind of like, oh, I don't want to hear it. Yep. Yep. But saying things like tattling hurts my ears, which I actually used to say that. I used to say tattling hurts my ears. Uh, Like that doesn't help the child understand what to do differently. So it's counterproductive to ending the tattling problem. So as much as you might feel inclined to sort of getting sarcastic about it, it, it's better to try to help them problem solve because this is something that they're not just doing to be annoying. Yeah, for sure. Um, so once you can get kids to understand the difference between tattling and using their words to handle a problem, it will be a whole new world. And it's important not to shame or downplay kids using their words to, uh, sorry and it's important not to shame or downplay kids using their words to tell you something we want kids to know that telling is okay kids need to feel safe with adults and to let them know when a situation is not safe or if they need help managing a situation like you said what question did you say to them before when oh yeah is is there blood is there fire is this an emergency (laughs) or could you handle this yourself? that's right or can you solve your problem and that like works that. that works with a four-year-old, but my two-year-old, uh, every situation is an emergency for him. Oh, yeah. So, so it's not, he's like, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad, bad, it's bad. Bad, help, help. (laughs) (laughs) So we want them to realize the difference between tattling to get a peer in trouble and telling an adult something when they need help. So you want to remember if they're tattling with the intention of getting someone else in trouble, don't let that work for them. Don't, Don't intervene and call the other kid out. Make sure to stop. Help the child find the words to tell the other child what they want to happen. Whether that's don't grab things out of my hands or please don't pull my arm. When you jump in and just say, hey, quit pulling his arm. You rob them of the learning experience that will better them for for the future. Now, a lot of these stages vary as kids grow. So when they're super young, you have to intervene because they don't have the words to say to the other child what they want to say, like Hawk. Right. But once you see them getting to the point that they are old enough to tattle, then you can be sure they're old enough to learn how to use their own words and be helpful instead of hurtful. Yeah, and I think at first it sounds, it's going to sound like a little generic. I feel like, like, because I give Scout, like, first, like, I give her a sentence structure, like, you say, I don't like it when, and so then you keep hearing them repeat it and it's your words but then it 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 becomes their own and then they're able to substitute in what they're not liking or what they're about to tattle on to the other kid or whoever that's a good idea to give them a few simple sentence starters that's that right that they can catch on to and adjust to the situations i don't like it when you is basically a a perfect one for most situations exactly Hopefully this strategy will help you with the tattling problems. And remember, we love hearing from you. So if you have questions or need more help, we would love to brainstorm with you. Send us a message on Instagram. And as always, we have room for you in the pre-K teacher family. The most recent resource we've added is a folder full of support for distance learning. There are tons of videos I've created that you can use with your students. And I show you exactly how I made my videos. Remember to use the promo code podcast when you join for 30% off your membership. And there's so many fun resources in the May and June folder. I share my graduation caps and our Mother's and Father's Day projects, which I'm convinced those projects are the reason I am remembered as a pre-K teacher. They secure my legacy and ensure I will never be forgotten. If you'd like to learn more about what I do for Mother's Day with my students so that you can do it with your students, visit my website, triedandtrueteacher.com, and click on the tab that says, Join the Pre-K Teacher Family. We can't wait to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Oh, and one more thing before we go. Please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes if you're enjoying our podcast. Here's a review from Amy I Mom. She said, Answered Prayers. Just like the title says, tips and tricks that you will love. I am so glad I stumbled upon this podcast. It has such great ideas for me to implement in my classroom. Keep them coming, ladies. Thank you, Amy. And thank you so much to anyone that has left us a review. They mean so much to us and they help us to grow our podcast. Thanks, guys.